Let's open our Bibles today to the book of Joshua. This will, Lord willing, this will be the last time that you, your Bible's starting to fall open automatically there, right? If you didn't bring your Bible this morning in the red Bible there in front of you, I think it's uh, somewhere about page 200. Joshua chapter 23 this morning. The last two chapters of the book of Joshua, Joshua gathers his people together for one final farewell address. And so we've entitled what we want to talk to you today about Joshua's bids farewell. Verse number one of Joshua 23 says this, Now it came to pass a long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel that all the enemies round about that Joshua was old and advanced in age. I think the New Living Translation says this, the years passed. The years pass fast, don't they? They really do, just like that. Uh, I saw Mrs. Withers up here this morning. She was acting up. Uh, she's been one of, one of the great delights of our church. And she was up here pretending she was in the choir. And I thought she was in the choir. And I said to somebody down here, if she gets in the choir, I'm getting in the choir. But she's been with us so many years, Mrs. Withers. The years pass, don't they? And uh, that's what was happening right here. Uh, now it came to pass that a long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel, from all their enemies round about, that Joshua was old, advanced in age. And Joshua called for all Israel, for their elders and for their heads, for their judges and for their officers, and said to them, I am old, advanced in age. Remember the Lord told him that earlier, but he didn't really believe it. But now he's come to the place in his life that he looks in the mirror and he says, you know, I think I'm getting old. You've seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations before you. For the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. Uh, the interesting thing about Joshua is he says, he says I'm going to give credit where credit is due. And credit is really due the Lord. The Lord brought us this far. See, I have divided to you by lot the nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes. For the Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off so far as the great sea westward. He said, this is what I've been doing. I've been dividing up the land. And the Lord your God will expel them from before you and drive them out of your sight, so you shall possess your land, so the Lord your God has promised you. In verse 6, he says, Therefore be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law. That's the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He says, I want you to keep those close to you. Now remember, this is his farewell address. Unless you turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left. Unless you go, uh, unless you go among those nations, these who remain among you, you shall not make mention of the name of your gods, of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them nor bow down to them. He says, now listen, a word about their gods. I don't want you to associate with these people. I don't want you to even talk about their gods. Especially, I don't want you to bow down to their gods. And then he says in verse 8, I want you to be faithful to the Lord. 
but you shall hold fast to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. Now, these people have been very faithful to Joshua as he's been their leader. Uh, he's, been, he's been taking them on, and he says, listen, you've done a good job. You've been faithful, but I'm just concerned about what's going to happen now. We're, are you going to be faithful to the Lord in the future? Verse 9 says, For the Lord has driven out from before you great and strong nations, but as for you, no one has been able to stand against you this day. Again, he gives credit to God. The Lord has driven out these nations. One man of you shall chase a thousand, for the Lord your God is he who fights for you. Now, how would you like to have that promise going into battle? One Israelite could put a thousand of the enemy to flight. That's not a bad odds, is it? Therefore, take, be careful to take heed to yourselves that you love the Lord. He says, listen, I want you to continue to love the Lord. And then in verse 11, he says, or else. Have you ever had your parents say that to you? Listen, I'm going to tell you this, or else. That means the hammer is coming down. Or else, if indeed you do, you do go back and cling to the remnant of these nations these that remain among you and make marriages with them and go into them and they to you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer, now look at this, will no longer drive out these nations from before you. God's going to stop fighting for you if you would go against what God wants you to do. He says, God, I'm just going to stop fighting for you, but they shall be snares and traps to you and scourges on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from the good land which the Lord your God has given you. He says, you're going to lose the land if you don't listen to me. Now remember, if you were here last week, we saw Joshua. Remember, for so many years, he was the general. We call him General Joshua. He laid down his sword. He set up his office. He was transitioning in ministry from being a military leader to an administrator. Uh, remember, he was called to be a military leader when he was 80 years old. You know, we look around the church sometimes and we think, boy, uh, what can an older person do? Well, I'll tell you what, they did a whole lot in the Bible. They really did. When he was 80 years old, God tapped him on the shoulder and says, listen, I got a job for you. I want you to lead my people into the promised land. And so... He did that. His first job was to conquer it and then to colonize it. And that was a hard job too, but somebody had to do it. Uh, the first thing, remember, whenever he began to colonize, uh, to be an administrator, he uh, kept the promise that God made to Moses. Now, I think we, uh, Chuck, on that, on that back there, we have a slide. I think it's a couple pages away. Let's see if you can find it. Uh, and the promise to Moses was this. You see the Dead Sea right there? That's that body of water right in the middle down low. Uh, the Jordan River connects the Dead Sea, uh, north, actually it comes south, uh, up to the Sea of Galilee, that other little body of water up there. Uh, that's the division line where the nation of Israel came over into the Promised Land. But you'll notice these different colors. We see there's different shades up there. Those were the divisions of the land. Gad on the right side. Uh, the half-tribe of Manasseh, and Reuben down at the bottom. The first, thing that, the first thing that Joshua did was he told the fighters from the half-tribe of Manasseh, from Reuben and Gad, that they could go back over to the west side now. They had, 
they had gone into the, or, or to the east side, they had gone into the west side and they had helped the other armies uh, conquer this land. Now they could go back to their families. That was the first thing that Joshua did. And then the second thing he did is he laid out a big map. Remember years ago when you used to go to the, uh, the uh, uh, gas station and get those maps and they were folded so perfectly and you took them and you unfolded them and you could never get it folded back right again? Remember how frustrating that was? You just don't know how they did that. Well, Joshua got a big map of the Holy Land. There it is. And so he laid it out, and he began to proportion or apportion the land to the other nine and a half tribes. And so on the left side, which is the west side, you find the other nine and a half tribes of the nation of Israel. And so this is what he's been doing for about ten years. Uh, he's transitioned from swinging his sword around, leading the military, uh, to playing with maps and surveying land and doing this nitty-gritty stuff at, uh, and in, in his office. Now, now, Chuck, let's go back to Joshua 13.1. I think you, have, you passed it up to get to that slide, I think. Okay, now let's read this together, okay? Now Joshua was old, advanced in years... And the Lord said to him, You are old, advanced in years, and there remains very much land yet to be possessed. Now remember, that's way back in chapter 13. The Lord came to him while he was a general. He said, Listen, Joshua, I think you're getting old. But you know, I don't think it sunk in very well because Joshua was around a lot of young guys. You know, they keep you inspired. And he thought he was younger than he really was. And so God told him about 10 years, and this is about 10 years earlier. He said, Joshua, you're getting old. There's a whole lot yet land yet to be possessed. And so I have a job for you. I want you to divide it. That's going to be your job. You're going to get an office. You're going to get surveyors to work for you. And uh, you're going to deal with all these issues. People are going to come to you and say, hey, listen, the line should be over here. That's our property. And you're going to have to deal with that. Well, at that particular time, I, don't th I think Joshua was feeling pretty young. But, you know, if you sit at a desk for 10 years, you can feel real old. You know that? Can I have an amen? Yeah. Some of you desk people. Uh, and so after fighting and, and his adrenaline high in every battle, he goes and he's an office administrator, Joshua. It's not too inspirational. After about 10 years of this, he finally decides that God was right. And he's getting old. And so he gathers the people together and he gives them this speech uh, that we read part of it for you here. Now, this was kind of a commonplace thing in, um, in people's lives back then. Remember Jacob? In Jacob's life, he gathered his 12 sons around him to his bedside and he prophesied about their future. In Genesis 49.10, remember he said to Judah, the scepter will not depart from Judah. And then before him, remember, there was, uh, or, 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 there was Moses up there on Mount Nebo after him. And uh, remember, he gathered the tribes of Israel together, and, and uh, he, uh, he began to instruct them. And this was like his going away message. Uh, Deuteronomy, remember when he was doing that, he said this in Deuteronomy 33, 27, The eternal God is our refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. That was a good thing for the people to hear from Moses. And so Joshua, at this particular time, divided the land. He, 
He had the paperwork to prove it. We do. From Joshua 13 all the way up to Joshua 23. That's his paperwork right there. That's what he was doing. Dividing the land all up for the people. Um, the people on the east side, the people on the west side, they got what was coming to them. And now here he is. He's a worn out general. He's a worn out administrator. And... Uh, he begins to address the people. And to me, he gives the most important point first. He says, listen, I want everybody to give God the credit for what is done. Now, that's, that's a mark of integrity right there, right? Because uh, a lot of people don't do that. You know, we're, we have this self-made man syndrome addiction, uh, especially in our country, that even when we do something neat spiritually... We want to stand back and be applauded. Well, Joshua says, verse number 3, this is where we are this morning. Uh, you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all those nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. It's interesting that in the first part of the speech, he says, listen, I want you to give God credit. I, I want you as a church to get in the practice of that. I know it's not natural for us, but it's what God wants. God wants the credit. He really does. We need to give credit where credit is due. Uh, James 1.17 is a good verse that kind of uh, goes along with this. And we, we have that, don't we, Chuck? Okay. Come on. Give God credit the next verse. Let's read it. Whatever is good and perfect comes to us from God above, who created all heaven's lights. Unlike them, he never changes or casts shifting shadows. God is unchangeable. We're very changeable, but God isn't. But everything that's good and perfect comes down from God who never changes. And so Joshua was saying, listen, uh, God's given you this good land. It came from him. Give him credit. Uh, another verse that's kind of a parallel to this is Psalm 44.3. Let's read this together this morning, okay? They did not conquer the land with their swords. It was not their own strength that gave them victory. It was by your mighty power that they succeeded. It was because you favored them and smiled on them. Isn't that nice? You know, when God favors you and smiles on you, you're in for the victory. You know that? And so here the psalmist says the same thing. It's God that gave the victory. If there's any victory, this is how it's to be won and acknowledged. The scripture says that no flesh should glory in his sight. Uh, well, you know, now he gathers the leaders together and uh, he says, listen, first of all, I want you to give God credit. So could we uh, try to think about that and make that a practice in our life? When something good happens, uh, let's give God credit. I'm talking to myself because I haven't been very good at this. Uh, but I'm thinking more and more about it as time goes by. He, uh, he then gets into this final instructions. Verse number 6, let's look at it. Therefore, be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. Be careful to keep the law. Uh, you know, the one neat thing about uh, this statement is that God's will is not left up to speculation. You know that? You know, have people say, you know, I think this is God's will, or maybe that's God's will, or hey, maybe this is God's will. Well, uh, it's not left up to speculation. God gave us his will in a book, and it's all right there. Uh, it's uh, verifiable. 
And so uh, his will is in his word. Let's say that together. His will is in his word. You know, I constantly hear people in our area say, you know, our church doesn't use the Bible. Doesn't encourage us to use the Bible. Well, let me say to you this morning that you can't go know God's will without the Bible. There's just no way to know it. God doesn't come to you as an angel in the form of an angel and say, hey, this is God's will. He doesn't do that. Uh, he, he puts a, a book in your hand and he says, now this is my will right here. It's verifiable. Uh, it's historical. Uh, it's been tested. It's tried. It's true. Uh, the generations have tested it. And so in order to know God's will, we, we have it. It's in the word of God. But you know, it takes courage and obedience to live the things that are in the word of God. And that's what he says right here. Courage and obedience are the qualities that it takes to conquer the land, to continue the conqu conquest. Um, you know, the Lord said the similar thing, of course, uh, back in... Well, let's go back to Joshua chapter 1, okay? This morning, you're, you're right there. Hold your place in 23 and go back to chapter 1. Uh, Joshua is starting out in his, in his um, crusade to conquer the Holy Land. And uh, the Lord's speaking to him here in verse 7. And se see if it sounds familiar. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all that the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. He said, if you're going to be successful, Joshua, this is what you have to do. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Think about it all the time. Always be thinking about God's word, the scripture. Day and night and that you may observe. And if, listen, if you think about it day and night, you know what you'll end up doing? You'll end up do, being able to do it. You'll be able to do it. And then observe to do it according to all that is written. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. And so here it is. In the beginning of his campaign to conquer the Holy Land, God says, listen, I want you to meditate. Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. Get your directions from the Word of God. And then at the end, he's saying the same thing. The book ends of his life. There they, there they are. Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. Do what God tells you to do. Isn't that good? That's a good instruction, isn't it? Uh, well, God's will is in his word. Uh, the Lord told Moses something, uh, the same thing also. And so what's happening is, is uh, these great leaders are passing it down one generation to the next generation. And, and I want you to pass that down from your generation to the next generation. You just teach in your family that, listen, there's nothing as special as God's word. Because there, as Hal told me the other day, he says, I'm going from darkness to light. And when you said that to me, Hal, I must jumped out of my skin. You know that? That's what the Word of God does for you. Can I have an amen? I mean, it really does. It's like you read it and you say, Yo, this is so exciting. From, it's like somebody turns a light on from darkness to light. You know, we're always... Uh, I was reading about the brilliant pianist Arthur Rubinstein. Uh, he was born January 28, 1887, and he died December 20, 1982. Uh, he he uh, played the piano all over the world, 
And, and this statement is credited to him. He said, when I mispractice one day, nobody knows it. When I mispractice two days, I know it. But if I mispractice three days, the world knows it. And you know, I kind of applied that to our ingestion, assimilation of the Bible. You know, when we miss the Bible one day, nobody knows. We miss it two days, we know. Something's missing in my life. I just don't feel as strong today as I did before. And then if we miss it three days, it starts to show up in our deportment, our actions. You know, the world is always trying to seduce us away from the Word of God. You know that? Always. Someone said this one time, promise power, promise pleasure, promise success are all bubbles that burst at the moment of contact. You know, we, we want to go out here and we, and we want to embrace this. And what happens? We embrace power and there's nothing there. Uh, we embrace pleasure. There's nothing there. It's empty. And it all tries to seduce us to way, away from the Word of God. And so my word to you today is this. Be careful to keep the law of God. Be careful to keep the Scriptures. The second thing he says is this. I want you to be separate from the world. Separation from the world. Verse 7. We're back in Joshua 23 now. And lest you go among these nations. Uh, the New Living Translation says, don't associate with them. And, and we'll, I'm going to explain that in a minute to you, what that means. Unless you go among these nations, these, these who remain among you, you shall not make mention of the name of their gods, nor, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them or bow down to them. There are two worlds, this world and the spiritual world, the physical and the spiritual. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And at this particular time, and, I, and you have to understand the Bible in its context. God was saying to these people, he doesn't say it to us today, but he was saying to these people, I don't want you to associate with these people that I have marked out for judgment. Just don't associate with them. I don't want you to associate with their gods. I don't want you to even mention their gods because they're marked out for my judgment. Uh, I think he had on his mind what we call reverse evangelism. Years ago, there was an evangelist that I knew of. He was very good. He, in fact, he was too good at what he did. But he didn't have a strong home base, spiritual network, feet planted on the ground, solidly, spiritually. Uh, and what happened is when he went on down into the depths of the world, the world beguiled him and won him. Uh, he was so passionate to go to the down and out and stay in the worst part of the world of the down and out that reverse evangelism took place. Instead of him winning them, they won him. And, you know, that's something that all of us have to be on guard about. You know that? Because many times people in the church say, you know, I can just hang out with anybody I want to. I can go any place I want to. And I can just, you know, I don't need the church and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And before long, what happens is the strength that they thought that they once had begins to dissipate. 
Now, here in this context, uh, the, the, I think that he's just saying, listen, don't associate with these people of the land. Uh, don't accept joint occupancy. And I think it boils down to this. These people were starting to accept what I call incomplete obedience. Um, they had won the majority of the land, but they had not mopped up. Military people understand what that is. They had not mopped up the enemy. God wanted them to go out and just remember, that's how he was doing this thing back in that day. He doesn't do it. He's not doing it today, that way particularly. He says, but I, listen, you have to do away with these people. These people, the, the wrath, the, my cup of anger has been filled and overflowed, and I want you to take them out. But they decided, you know, oh, maybe 80% is good enough. We'll just live with the rest of them. And what happened is, and we saw here in the scriptures, God says, listen, if you do that, he said, if you do that or else, these people are going to torture you and eventually you're going to lose the land if you don't have a complete victory. Now, now let's apply this spiritually. When we come to Christ and we start to grow in Christ, we start to, we start to conquer the land, right? It's like, boy, Jericho falls. We go up against Ai and we lose that one. Second time we go up against Ai, we win. And so we're going through the land, we're marching through the land, and we think, oh boy, I'll tell you, we got this thing. We got our arms wrapped around it. And there are a few things in my life, listen, there are a few things in my life that uh, I think I can overlook. Kind of like an 80% Christian. And then what happens is that 20% begins to gnaw at you, begins to pick at you and begins to open the door to Satan's devices in your life. That's what happened to the nation of Israel. They conquered most of the land, but not all of the land. And if you go to the first chapter of the book of Judges, you will find a, a, an incredible thing, that they went into their part of the land, and they did not expel, extract, displace, the people completely. They left a space for the devil to come into their life. And, you know, I think that's what happens in our life. You know, we, uh, we, we're doing real good. We're running down the track. Man, we, we got this thing all wrapped up, 80%. Isn't that good enough? And we let these little things that we know God wants to conquer in our life chip away at us. And eventually they could become the ruination of our spiritual life. Well, uh, back in this particular time, and you have to in interpret the Bible in its context, God says, I don't want you to associate with these people because they're marked out for judgment. Uh, they're on my hit list. Uh, but uh, today it's different. Uh, those people were marked out for judgment uh, today. Uh, people are marked out for salvation. Now, we're living in the age of grace, and that's different. You know, in the Old Testament, we have law. In the New Testament, we have grace. And so, uh, and so God says, listen, I'm making this window of time called grace for you people. And uh, the people in this window of time are marked out for salvation. Uh, now, you and I look at the situation, and we, we're kind of like lawgivers. You know, why don't God just blow them all away? Well, you just have to remember, just a few years ago, you were one of them. You know that? Amen. How about that? And so, you know, we're, we're like saying, oh, why don't you just take, take everybody out, Lord? Well, the Lord says, listen, I'm not working that way today. 
I'm extending grace, and that's when you sing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saves a wretch like me, and you can't understand it. You can't, trust me, you can't understand it. And so the people today are marked out for salvation. Second uh, Peter 3, 9 is a good verse on that. Let's read it together, okay? The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise to return, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to perish, so he is giving more time for everyone to repent. Now, that's good news, isn't it? That was good news for you. That was good news for me. And that's good news for your family. God says, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm holding back the, my wrath. I'm putting my finger in the dike. It's coming. God's judgment is coming, but it's not now. And uh, he says, listen, I'm being patient for your sake. I'm glad God was patient for my sake. And I love this. He doesn't want anyone to perish. Uh, in the New, uh, New, New King James, it says he's not willing that anybody should perish. Wow, that's powerful, isn't it? It's against God's will if somebody perishes. Boy, and so, and so don't confuse this today. Now, I think, what we, I think in order to make this whole thing practical, what, what we need to do today is keep a healthy distance away from the world. Now, I know we're supposed to go into the world, and I love to do that. And You know, Jesus was a friend of sinners, and, and, and you know, they're fun to be with. You know that? They really are. Because we're one of them, by the way. Don't get so pious on me this morning. You know, like, like it's you and them, you know. And we're all together in this thing. But, you know... Uh, Jesus was a friend to sinners. He liked to be around them. He invited them over and they ate together. And, and uh, that's, what, that's our, supposed to be our reaction. But, we, but we, have to keep, uh, we have to know our limitations is what I'm trying to say. Because 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, evil, evil communication corrupts good character. Amen. And so let's do the right time, kind of evangelism. Well, not reverse. And so uh, another thing he says, oh, my, time has flown. Verse number 80 says, I want you to be faithful. I want you to be faithful. Now, can you do that? How many people here feel you could be faithful to God? Let's just, just raise your hand if you feel that way. I feel that way. Uh, you know, that's one of the... That's one of the primary characteristics of a follower of Jesus, faithfulness. Not success. Faithfulness. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, Moreover, brethren, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And I think if you be faithful to God, he'll say, listen, I think you're successful. And then he says in verse number 11, he says, I want you to love God. Now, these are his departing words. I want you to love God. What does that mean? I think real love takes time, attention, and affection. If you tell your wife, honey, I love you, I just don't have no time for you. Ooh, how's that go over? Holy cow. You know, I'm just too busy for you. You are? Man, man. Uh, time, attention. Ladies, do your husband, do they give you attention? I'm glad my wife is not in here right now. 
because you, this is one of my downfallings. You know, she could be just talking and talking and talking, and I'll say, no, I'll just have this blank stare. That doesn't go over well, you know that? Just a, it's just a, an affection, you know, affection. And so in order to love God, we need to give him our time, our attention, and our affection. Um, because if we don't, he says, listen, you lose the land. You lose the blessing. Uh, then down, way down in verse number 15, he says, listen, I want you to tell you that God has uh, kept his promise. All the promises that God made, he's kept. Look, here's Caleb. He's still standing. Look at me. I'm 110. I'm not in very good shape, but I'm 110. I'm still standing. And look at you. You're in the land. You got the land. God's kept all of his promises to you. And then he says, uh, listen, I want, you to, I want you to take a stand. Joshua 24.15 says this. Let's look over there. Turn your Bible. 24.15. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which, are the fa which your father served that were on the other side of the river or, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will do what? Wow. Now that's the big verse right there. Years ago, many years ago, Joshua said, listen, you know, I think I'm going to serve the Lord. I made my choice. He's 110 years old, and he's still making proclamations. And he says, listen, I just want to go on record one more time. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's a tremendous statement, isn't it? Amen. Let's say it. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He says, listen, you can make your own decision. I've already made mine. We're on God's side. And we're in it for the long haul. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Lord, we, we thank you for the story of Joshua. Man, how, how exciting this has been for me, Lord. To see these spiritual parallels in the Old Testament, uh, you know, the, and then the New Testament application. I pray, Lord, for, for those of us in the church that are 80% Christians today, 80% followers. You know, we've made a lot of headway, but we kind of... I've looked the other way with certain things in our life and, and it's hurting us. I pray that, uh, that we will go, go the whole distance, take the complete stand. I pray that we'll not waffle on, uh, on our commitment to Christ. And as we leave the church today, I pray that that last statement will ring in our ears as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. We're committed, not just for now, but for the rest of the journey. As we uh, prepare for the invitation today, maybe there are some in our church that would that need to come and say, Lord, there's this 20% in my life. I want to just leave it right here at the altar this morning. You've been showing me and trying to get my attention, and I've been bullheaded, and I, I just haven't been listening 
But I'm hearing your voice today, God. I, I want to go the distance. I, I want to bump that number up way up from where it is. I want to be completely obedient to you as best I know how. If you're here today in the church and, and uh, you'd like to come and join the church today, uh, I'd like to invite you to come and do that as well. Dear Lord, now as we have the invitation, I pray that you will move among us in Jesus' name.